This episode was made possible by our incredible patrons who faithfully give to support the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. For our one-year podcast birthday, we are opening up a $2 tier to make giving more accessible for our subscribers. Please consider financially partnering with us today and supporting the work of sharing these stories. You can join the Patreon at the link in bio. And while you're here, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It only takes a minute and has a huge impact on our reach. Today is a super exciting day for us here at Bodies Behind the Bus. A year ago from the release of this episode was our very first episode. So to celebrate our birthday, we wanted to introduce you to the team behind the podcast, which, spoiler alert, is just us and our spouses. Join us as we share about and reflect on our first year of sharing stories. I'm Jonna Harris, and this is the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. All right, so we have a very special episode today. Um, By the time this episode is released, it will be the one-year anniversary of the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. So first, we just want to tell everyone, especially our storytellers, to our storytellers, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your journey. And to those that have dared to listen to the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast, thank you so much. Uh, It has been a crazy, interesting year, but it's been a year filled with a lot of new friendships and a lot of sadness in these stories that we hear, uh, hear, but also a lot of hope, uh, a lot of hope from just the strength and resiliency and bravery of the storytellers. I can't overstate that or can't say that enough, just the bravery of these individuals. But to celebrate, this is a unique episode because you're used to hearing Jonna's voice and my voice on the podcast, but we do have a team behind us that are critical to our success. And those individuals are very special to John and myself because one, it's my wife, Becca. And the other individual is Jonna's husband, Aaron. So Aaron and Becca, welcome to the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast. hey Thank you. I'm sure we're so honored to be here. Likewise. Yes, I know you are. So... I think it would be super awesome if we could talk through what you both do, because you both do a lot for the podcast. People don't know about it. So why don't we start with Aaron? Besides being Jonna's husband, what do you do? Which is a lot of work. (laughs) That in itself is my main job. (laughs) And the father of four kids. That's right. Four kids. Yeah. So what do you do, Aaron? What do you do for the podcast? So for the podcast, what do I do? I edit the podcast. Usually takes usually the podcast around three hours-ish, and I edit them down. Um, so take out ums, gaps, people need breath sometimes. So I edit all that down. Uh, I usually listen to an episode two to three times, which is a lot. Any episode can take anywhere from probably like three to 10 hours. It has taken up to 10 hours for one episode. And some of those episodes air and some of them don't. So it's a lot of work and, and we put a lot of time and, and care and, and love into these episodes to, to sh- make these stories shine and be as, as concise and, and beautiful as possible. So I do that. And then I do sound checks with the guests, make sure all the technical stuff, all the software, we use the software to record this now. Um, we send out mics to everybody. Becca does that, but I set up the processes. I score it. Um, made the intro, which is really fun. Um, a lot of behind the random scenes. Me and John are always talking about things to do or how to do things. Or so that's the majority of what I do. Yeah, he's underselling himself there tremendously. To be honest, like, and I can say this publicly, Aaron's the MVP of the Bodies Behind the Bus podcast by far, because John and I on these recordings, an average recording can be anywhere from, I would say, under three hours to plus three hours, depending on, just depending on the flow of the story. 
So it's a lot of work. So there, there is times where we have raw audio, six hours, five hours, four hours that Aaron works with to not only make Jana and myself who ramble a lot and say like and um a lot, and I repeat myself, Jay, Jay repeats himself, me, a lot. He, he edits that all down, but then he helps present the stories in a way to where the storyteller, I, in my opinion, like it, it's concise. It really, he paints a picture, he paints an audio picture for the listener. That is an artwork, um, what he does on every episode. So he's underselling himself. Sorry, Aaron, but you are. He totally is. Yes. And it is an artwork. Like there's things where he'll be like, hey, I'm going to leave this pause for like an extra tenth of a second because I feel like just having that second of silence me- like communicates so much. And I'm like, what the heck? Your brain works. Yeah. It mysteriously and beautifully. <laughs> but like if you look, he'll like take pictures sometimes and send me what it looks like with the edits. And so when you're editing audio, you can see the cuts in a track. And I mean, babe, how many edits is the most edits we've had in an episode? So when there's four mics, it's a lot. Um, I think probably five to 6,000 edits for one episode. There you go. So it's a lot of work. And it's not, we're not manipulating the content. It's just making it so that, I mean, it edits out like the nerves and all that kind of stuff so that that it comes across in a way that is palatable to be listened to so that these stories are actually heard. So, yes, he is definitely underselling himself. And much of that editing happens. I mean, at least two of our weeknights are Aaron up editing like all night, late into the night. Um, because Aaron has it. To get these stories out there. Aaron has a job. Is a full time, yeah, full time nine nine to five. I hate that terminology, but a full day job. So he's got to provide for the family that way. Is that is that too complimentarian to say provide for the family? Because technically, it doesn't matter if it's a male or female providing for the family. So he's he's definitely has a job that's feeding us and keeping us even slightly able to do this work. Um, on top of, I mean, he. He puts in, I would say, equal hours to Jay and I on, yeah, or more. I think he puts yeah. on this podcast. I think he could do more because yeah. the editing, again, because yeah. John and I ramble and we repeat ourselves. Because most of the edits are, are on just random stuff that we're saying. Because we sometimes when we tell stories, we'll get off on rabbit trails, have to get back to the story. But you know, it's just John and I always try to present an environment where we're just having a dialogue, and we want the dialogue to go wherever it's going to go. And uh, sometimes, you know, Aaron will be like, hey, you guys, we don't need that in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for example, on the Ryan Ramsey episode, there was like a little throwaway joke by you, Jay, about wearing a tuxedo to the event. And Aaron was like, I cut out 10 minutes of you guys joking about Jay wearing a tuxedo. There you go. (laughs) So he's helping you guys out a lot as listeners. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's so helpful. And on top of that, uh, we've said it before, but our storytellers get these edits ahead of time. So he's giving a raw edit to them and then they send back times, timestamps. And so he re-edits any content that they're not comfortable being out there. We're really passionate about making sure that the story that gets out there is completely, the person driving that ship is the storyteller. So Aaron really is working with our storytellers to make sure that the content that gets released is exactly what they wanted released. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. And then he has to work around me and Jay taking forever to get him intro tracks and then outro tracks and then scoring them. It's a lot. He does a lot of work. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure. I love it. And he's not the only one behind the scenes that is doing work. Becca, Jay's wife, and one of my dearest friends, who I still think it's hilarious that Jay and I are the ones that do a podcast together because Becca and I, I mean, I guess we're all friends, but I just put our friendship into the elite zone. Uh, Becca is one of my best friends, and she does so much work to make this podcast happen. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit of what you're doing behind the scenes, Becca? 
Sure. I do want to give a shout out to Aaron because I do also want to say that um, one thing when y'all first started the podcast and I would send it to like friends and family, hey, look, listen to this, is everyone commented on how professional it sounded too. So I think that that's totally Aaron. I don't think that, you know, he definitely has that producer eye to make it a professional podcast. It wasn't, I think our friends were expecting something a little more grassroots and homegrown, but it sounds great. Um, yeah, I'm Becca. I'm Jay's wife. And if you've ever sent an email to the Bodies Behind the Best website or email, you have probably heard back from me. Um, I'm the one that does all the admin work. So I'm answering all the emails. Um, I'm setting up scheduling for Jay and Jana. I do all of their schedules. So there's a, there's a process when someone submits and wants to possibly tell their story on the podcast. Uh, we have to go through a series of phone calls, information that has to be filled out before we get to the recording. And so I'm setting all of that up, setting up the recording, scheduling. I'm mailing headsets to people. I'm getting those headsets returned to us or sent to the next recorder. Uh, I work on some marketing. I I work, I have my hand a little bit in a lot of the different things that happen, but primarily the vetting process and getting the storyteller from the point where they've first reached out to the actual recording. But I feel like, I don't know, I put in probably about 15 to 20 hours of a week working on all of that. What else do I do, Jay? I don't know. I do a lot. Yeah, she does a lot behind the scenes. I mean, really the scheduling thing. Random thing. All the random things. <laughs> the scheduling and the communication with the storytellers, she really takes that. Honestly, like that's critical. One of the things that um, has been surprising to us is once Jana, once we released Jana's story uh, a year ago, the influx of potential storytellers has increased exponentially each month. So we've, you know, it's it's a struggle to like because we all like I have a full time job. You know, <clears throat> Becca and I have three kids. John and Aaron have four kids. So we have life going on. So we want to honor those individuals that reach out to us. And Becca has done a great job helping us stay organized with not only following up with them, but then getting things scheduled for us to where we can have calls. Like a general process. process. I think that's really when I stepped in is that I I was seeing specifically Jonna, who did the brunt of the social media because Jay is not, not on social media. He's now on yeah, social media, but he it. doesn't do social media, but she definitely takes the brunt. So shout out to Jonna for that of like the, um, the Twitter and the Instagram. And, and that's how a lot of people find us. And so I was really noticing probably about a month into this process when you guys started, like she was like trying to manage it all. So like, how do you, who, who have I talked to? Who have I not talked to? And I'm who have I really, set up to record? really bad at it. I'm very unorganized. <laughs> and texting, you know, like, Jay, can you record at this time and this day? And can you take this phone call? And I, I just kind of stepped in and was like, okay, one, there has to be a better process. You know, Lord willing, the podcast grows. There has to be a better <laughs> process. And I feel like I'm I'm gifted with an organizational. I'm organizationally gifted, I guess I could say. So I was like, let me do that. Like, let me take over the email. Let me take over all the scheduling and all that just little admin work that adds up to where you have to like have have some organization to know where you are with each storyteller because it does overlap quite a bit. And Becca responds to every email we get, which is great. You know, so even if we... I respond to the lovers and the haters. <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> and, and then also, it, she's had her hand in a lot, like the Ryan Ramsey event we did. She really planned that event and, and, and uh, worked on the execution of it. And then she, also with like the marketing side of it, she's been real critical in trying to get that up and running. So she does a lot too. I mean, she, she does a lot of the work uh, to get things going for us, which I think is... Uh, which is super critical and has been super helpful for, for all of us. And it's like, it's not glamorous and it's time, it's time consuming. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's tedious work and you do it so well. So we really couldn't have the podcast without you yeah. doing that. And you send all. all the headsets. <laughs> I'm happy to You send all it. the headsets out too. You're wearing a headset. Yeah. We have headsets we send to our guest and she manages that as well. 
Which doesn't sound like a lot of work, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> and I have to say, when the podcast started and Jay told me that they were going to do this, I literally told him I want nothing to That's do right. with this. This is all you. I want nothing to do with this. And look where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> so and- I went back on those words, but I am really enjoying it. Like we have some awesome storytellers and listeners and it's a joy it's not a joy to open the emails all the time. I shouldn't say that. It's some heavy and very hard stuff, and it never gets easier to to hear from people that are suffering. But uh, it, it's a joy to know that people are listening and finding community through this. And so I really do enjoy the work. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, um, well, let's talk about a little bit about um, what we've learned from our storytellers. Um, you know, we're about a year into... Well, at the time of doing this will be a year. We we started the podcast with John's story. And just a real brief on the intro or an origin of the podcast, it really began as a conversation between me and Aaron at a park when John's family, when John and Aaron's family was leaving LA and we were at a place where uh, most of our church had church members, uh, church family had left the church we were at where Jonna and the staff were abused and that pastor was still in power. No one seemed to care from the other networks that got involved that we left or that that they thought there was a problem with that pastor being in power and Pastor H. And so we were just all still kind of reeling from it. And the biggest thing was we didn't want other families to step into that church and went go through what the families, uh, the all of our families had gone through, especially uh, the Harrises and the other staff members. So we were just like, man, should we contact a reporter? Should we, what should we do? And ultimately, you know, we were joking around be like, wouldn't it be crazy if we just did a podcast and just shared the story? Again, we were just hoping if someone listened, they would go, I heard this podcast. I'm not going to go to that church because I, I heard what happened. And that's really where it started. And it it grew to where probably around the summer, I would say, um, of 2021, uh, you guys left around May, probably late that summer, we started planning to do the podcast. And part of that was going to be featuring Johnny's, uh, Johnny's, to just call Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Good old Johnny. <laughs> That's the best thing yet. Huh? Don't oh, please that out. don't, Johnny. Oh, I love it. He doesn't even know who even he's know doing who's... this podcast with. Anyways, we had, we talked about initially featuring John's story. So before we talk about like what from all of us, our perspectives, what we learned from our storytellers over the last year, John, I would love to hear from you. What did you learn during that process from telling your story? I think again the the reason like the spark for the podcast, we were just like how do we make this Googleable? Like, how do we get this story out there so that there's a warning to others? Um, and we did, we tried to contact uh, reporters. We tried, like, thought about, are we going to do a blog post? And Aaron and Jay just had that initial joking conversation about a podcast, and it just blossomed into actually being a podcast. I threw a tweet out there does anybody else have stories about this? I'm trying to collect stories. I think that all of our voices combined will make a bigger impact than if I just share my own story. And the response has been overwhelming. As you can tell, I think at this point, we're 35 episodes in. This is our 35th episode. And that's a lot of stories. And there's more coming. We are booked out for a few months of already recorded stories. For me personally, with sharing my story, a huge part of it that was hard was figuring out how to share my story in this medium. And I think Aaron was extremely helpful in that in helping me edit down the details of my story and kind of boil it down to the pillars of it. And that's something that we still talk to with our storytellers today, getting the story into a into a format that that people can hear it in this medium and they can understand the depths of the consequences for the actions and what happens when someone experiences abuse and the details surrounding what does that actually look like? Because if 
you haven't noticed by now, or if this is your first time listening, go back and listen to some of the stories. A lot of times, these stories are a slow build of little tiny boundary crosses. And it's really hard to figure out how to share that. So that initial episode with me sharing my story was a lot of me going back and writing and rewriting and rewriting my story to boil it down to what happened and how do I share it in a way that people will understand what actually went down? Like, how how do I share it in a way that people hear, Pastor H said this, and this is what my body responded like. Like, this is what the consequences were emotionally for me. Here's the things that are still affecting me because of this. It was hard to figure out what to say. And I think, Jay, we've gotten better as a team at figuring out how to guide people through that. But initially, it was just like, yeah, well, let's go. (laughs) I think what I learned, too, is that being able to name what actually happened, but then also, you mentioned this, too, understanding the consequences of those activities and how those impact not only you, but your family and the community around you. Like pulling the camera out to see, you know, what that verbal abuse and what that spiritual abuse does, I think is critical because I do think a lot of times th- these types of ch- leadership and churches try to isolate these as like small incidents and disagreements that don't have broader consequences to other people. And they do, they're all connected. And one thing I've learned from, you know, Jonna's story, which started as more of like Jonna sharing her story and what we've evolved to, what we shortly realize after that is that really what it needs to be is more of a an interaction to where John and I try to act as like guides or witnesses to the storyteller to just be there and and listen empathetically and then help kind of guide that storyteller through the retelling of of their story. I've used this before. I think I said on Ryan Ramsey it's a sacred thing. It is sacred. It is a sad time with a lot of grief, but then there's also a lot of hope that comes out of those stories. We can see each other. One of the things, like right now, we can see each other because we do record. We record the audio. We're on a, a platform that allows us to have video, and uh, that helps too. Being able to see each other talk through when we're sharing stories. So, I would like to open this one up to the group. You know, what have we learned from our storytellers? Anything that steps out or stands out to each of you about what you've learned from? interacting with these sort these brave and courageous storytellers. I'll say something. I feel like I get a look, a peek into the story, but not as much as you guys, because I might get a document or a series of documents they got from their church. So I'm like, I kind of know that this person went here and this happened, but I don't often get to uh, hear the story until I try to listen to the rough cut to help catch any little edits that need to be done. But I don't always listen to it until release day. I think I've just been really impacted by the bravery of the people, of the storytellers, one for doing this, like every story, hearing this almost every day, reading an email about something that has happened to someone in the evangelical church. And many of the things are similar, like similar instances, but every storyteller has such a unique way of sharing their story that I still feel myself on a release day, like cringing at parts of the story. I feel my body reacting. I cry with some of these storytellers in the car after I've dropped my kids off from school. So I just think that I've learned that like every story is so unique. It's been so interesting to even take the similarities of the stories that still feel like everyone has their own voice. Every story is different and unique and they're just so brave for doing this. I hear it all the time, and I don't know that I could get on a podcast and tell a story like this. So I've been really grateful to see how brave our storytellers are. So I think what has been fascinating is just the integrity level of every storyteller. I think there's always this like trepidation and fear for Jay and I in particular, because every time a story comes out, these storytellers are allowed to use their name. They can use... Um, a different name, like Jay and I, our name and our face is attached to this podcast. So as a story comes out, there was like internally, as we were building up 
like building the framework for how Bodies Behind the Bus was going to work. I think both of us probably initially, Jay, had concerns about like how is this going to work and are like, what if we, what happens if someone lies, <laughs> you know, and like, what do we do with that? And how do we re- wrestle with that and reckon with it? And then just to see the level of integrity of literally every storyteller that has come to us and particularly is, I mean, these stories that end up on the podcast, the documentation, like Becca was saying, we'll see maybe or hear emails that are going back and forth and like the level of care and graciousness and beauty that is coming out of the storyteller towards their abuser in all of these communications is just, it is it's wild to witness it, even if it's like years out and we're looking back on a communication and being like, wow, you were so kind there and so bold and like what a grace to that community that you were speaking up or asking those questions. And then to see what they're met with and to see them come back again, oftentimes with just like such love. And it's really, it's like getting to witness how Jesus cares for the church. And I really think a lot of us are put into this. We're compared to prodigal sons a lot by a lot of these pastors, right? Like you're the ones that just want to go off and party and like deconstruction, sexy. What I see more is like the storytellers being the father in that story. And actually the church leadership often is looks a lot more like that stereotypical prodigal son or even the legalistic son who like doesn't want to celebrate. That, I think, has been the most impactful thing that I've seen is this just there's not a word for how immense the integrity is in these individuals and the character. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, I've also I think I think that's like well said to Jonna. And I think, too, one of the things that I've been amazed at is going into this when because I like I've we all hear the clips about like deconstruction is, uh, I guess the popular view of deconstruction in the evangelical world is that we're all doing it so that we can do whatever we want in life or we, we don't like to follow the rules or, you know, we, we don't want to listen to the wise, you know, the wise leader and on, on the, on the, by the pulpit. But really what, what I've been most amazed about through these stories is the desire for community with these storytellers, but a more, in my opinion, like a more Christ-centered community than what we see sometimes in churches and, you know, in our, in our cities and, and in our communities. And that even after all they went through, there's just this immense desire to find that community where Jesus is centered, where power dynamics are leveled, where all are welcome, where stories are safe. And like that encourages me. And, you know, one of the things John and I talk about with Becca and Aaron all the time is how does that community become the norm, not only on the podcast, but also when we are, you know, when we're in our own communities, how can that become more normal for all of us? I mean, again, I, some of our storytellers do share scenarios where they have been able to plug in and find that. And I'm always just like, I'm always amazed by that because it, it speaks to their character and who they are as individuals when most of these people have been literally kicked out of communities or ignored by their former church community, which is so horrendous, by the way, when, when people are ignored by a church community because they left a church uh, or they spoke up and they're still ignored or purposely their former friends don't reach out to them. That's like so horrendous in my book. But those individuals, the church, uh, our storytellers, they have this rich desire for a deeper type of community that I think we all need to, to listen to because I think there's a lot of wisdom there and I think it's beautiful. So something that, I didn't realize what would happen is these people are amazing people, movers and shakers in their churches that wanted to ask questions and wanted to say, hey, this is weird or this is, they, they saw things and they asked questions and they, they wanted to love people and they wanted to, to do what community is supposed to do. And they were shot out of the church or flushed out of the church or it wasn't welcomed well. And 
in, interacting with these people behind the scenes and hearing John and Jay's interactions in different meetings they've had with these people. It's just, they're such beautiful and amazing people. And them trusting this podcast to tell their story and, and to, to trust us to, to, to edit it and to record it and to, to release it and know that we're going to do our best uh, we possibly can is so mind-blowing. Um, I know when John and I were going through hard stuff in, in our church, it's so disorienting and it's so confusing and, and hurtful in your community. Everyone you've spent a ton of time with is just ripped out from under you and, and some of your best friends aren't your best friends anymore. And we moved and it's just like, you have nothing. And these people just reaching out to us and, and being like, hey, can you, can you tell my story or can you, can you help me in any way? It's just, it blows my mind. It's an honor. That's beautiful. All right. So let's talk through another open topic here. What has been the best thing about the podcast that we've experienced? And what has been the hardest part of this podcast? I think the best thing, something that I was not anticipating at all, is the response every time a story comes out. And seeing the listenership like gather around the storyteller and just affirm them and care for them and even the connections that are happening behind the scenes like that when you shared your story, you have now empowered me to share my story. And we've had some people get apologies and some like genuine reconciliation and repentance happen behind the scenes. And that's all stuff that I really thought we would all like any of us that shared our stories would all just get basically fed to the wolves. And it was like, well, this is just a sacrifice I'm willing to make to put the truth out there. But really, it's led to some really beautiful things. I mean, that has made me even more passionate about the need for transparency within churches and faith organizations, because I've seen the general population listenership grapple with hard gross sin, abuse, gross stuff, and be able to say, that's wrong. And now let's let's make it right. Like, what does it look like to make it right and make it whole? And so I'm even more convinced that, that churches need to be transparent, completely transparent um, in regards, especially to abuse, but everything. We don't need to be hiding stuff. And that's really been my favorite part of releasing the podcast is just seeing what happens in the aftermath of a story coming out. I think for me, the hardest part is just personally, it just takes a toll on me emotionally. I want to be all things (laughs) to every person that reaches out and that's not healthy and it's not possible but just wanting to fill that hole, like fill that space where somebody wasn't believed or heard or cared for, it's really hard to to learn. And I think I'm still learning what are the boundaries in that and how how do I put up good boundaries that are healing and helpful for for me and the people that that share their stories with me and honor me with that privilege. Um and it's hard. Like, it just sucks. And to be on the receiving end of all these stories is, like I said, an honor and a privilege. That's not really the hard part. It's just the, like, I want to make it better, and I can't. And I think that's that's what I struggle with the most is, like, wanting to swoop in and be like, I'm going to write a lot of really strongly worded emails right now <laughs> because I'm so mad. But having to just, like... <laughs> work through that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure I would love to hear what the rest of you have to say about this, because I'm sure some of that is a shared feeling in the group, like a mutual feeling of just like, what do we, what do you do with all of these, all of the hard, like there's so much beautiful, but that that's coupled with just a lot of painful, hard stuff. I think for me, being kind of the gatekeeper of the email, which I touched on a little bit earlier, the hardest part is that it never gets easier to have people submit to the website with a potential story to tell. It never gets easier to hear hear that people have been spiritually abused in their faith setting. And it's just, even if there's similarities in stories to from storyteller to storyteller, it's just, it's so heavy every time you open an email 
Um, we get emails where people don't want to share their story. Like Jonna said, you, you sometimes just talk to people just to help process what they've gone through. And um, it's just really, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to carry the weight of that and for those people and to feel so deeply and understand what they're going through. So I think that's been the hardest part for me. Rewarding for me or what I've really enjoyed about this is I'm going to I'm going to uh brag on Jay and Jonna for a bit cuz I feel like they don't get bragged on ever. Um they're so humble in the work that they do and being able to witness behind the scenes, be it obviously living with Jay and having a lot of conversations about the podcast or talking to Jonna multiple times a week about it, sitting in on staff meetings. It is so wonderful to see how passionate they are about helping people find healing. Like they're, they are what you hear on the podcast and they are the real deal. And really, they could care less if 10 people were listening or if 5,000 were listening. They just want these storytellers to, to really find healing in their story. And I think that that's been the best part is to see how their passion has even grown in the last year for their desire to see healthy churches, make the church healthy, and find healing for storytellers. Becca, that was so nice. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's true. Y'all never get anyone to brag on you, but this is not easy work. This is not easy work. And what I love is like, you so humbly do it. Like, it, it's the truth. Like, Jay doesn't even want to hear when there's a review. He could care less. Like, he's going to keep doing the work because he cares about the people. And that's so wonderful. It's very nice of you, Becca. <clears throat> it's true. To piggyback off of Becca, because uh, I think a lot of people don't know that we've been friends for a long time. Uh, Jay's been my boss in the past. We've, we've loved these people very much. And we're, I think I've worked in a lot of organizations and grown a lot of businesses and different things. And the, one of the most rewarding things to me is to do build this platform and this, this, this thing with people that we work so well to, together with and we love. I think uh, the four of us just like are able to be like, that's dumb. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's dumb and move forward, you know? And just the ecosystem that we have and to be able to see the thing about Jay and John that people don't know is they can't be anything else but themselves. Jay is a distilled version of himself. He really, social media doesn't care about what people think about him, like with reviews or whatever's going on at the podcast, really doesn't think about. Like he's just a steadfast person that is himself and loves his family, works hard on this podcast, does his, you know, I've worked for him before. He's an amazing boss and he's loved everyone. I've seen him manage really well. So just did the privilege to, to grow something with these people for me. Um, is is so fun and so cool and to be able to launch I mean we don't talk about numbers at all purposefully but to see the the the, the massive amount of people that are listening to these stories to know that these people care and they want to hear this stuff and maybe they're in the same position and they weren't able to see it or they didn't have the words for it and now they have words for things they're experiencing and to be able to shoot that out in the world and to see you know thousands of cities and it's just it's mind-blowing and then the hardest thing is probably just hearing these stories every week and just like, it's a, it's such a privilege to hear them, but it's so hard to hear the heartbreak and, and the carnage that is left behind these people that are proclaiming the Lord's word and the Lord's name. And just, uh, it's, it's infuriating. I'm, I'm a stubborn Italian man that it wants to burn it down really badly. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance between that and, and just loving these people and, and trying to be soft and think about the peoples and the individuals. It's beautiful. I would say for me, the hardest part has been when we're talking with storytellers and we're going through the process before recording, the indifference, and that's probably being too polite, church leaders or churches have had toward the storytellers, either it be through just not wanting to hear their story or painting them in a picture that the storyteller was the wrong at the was the wrong, was the person that was uh, guilty of all these wrongdoings to just minimizing what they're going through to a point of is dehumanizing them. Like that type of indifference and mistreatment, I don't even know if I can put enough vile words or words that talk about how hideous that behavior is. That has shocked me. 
because almost every storyteller, there has been a season within their story where they have sought to understanding reconciliation, something with the person abusing them or the system abusing them. And they are all discarded and painted in a picture that not only are they wrong, but they're sinning. And it's just evil. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. I have been shocked about how that is consistent in every story. And so like that is disheartening for me as a Christian, as someone who still believes in the body of Christ and the community. I don't know how deep that rot is, but I can tell you from from the stories I've heard, it's very deep and it's a huge problem. So that's probably the hardest part. You know, it's it's also the saddest part. The best part to me is when we, every story we do with a storyteller when we're interviewing them on the podcast, when we're recording, I could probably name this moment if I thought about it real carefully for each storyteller. There is a part in that interview, because as you can imagine, everybody starts off, they're nervous, and there's a part in each interview where they gain their footing and their rhythm and you can just feel them getting their story back. The way the interview goes, you can just sense it. You go, they are getting their story back. They're getting their voice back. Like they, I can sense that they can feel that and they grow in confidence. They grow in hope in the midst of that interview, even amongst all the sadness that's happening. And that's the best part. Like that's the best part. Those moments where I just, know that I can feel this storyteller start to feel themselves again. And it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that. It's a beautiful thing to witness that. And it outshines all of that rot. That rot still needs to be dealt with, but but they don't get that person's story anymore. And that is just so beautiful. That was so well said. And I think even Aaron has like even said that when he's editing. He's like the first like hour of the edit is always like pretty intensive work and then it's like he he feels it like it clicks and it hits its stride and oftentimes like Jay you and I can just sit back and they just tell their story the rest of the way like they don't need us to ask them questions they don't need anything like it's like they just you like watch them like come into their own agency and regain their dignity and it's like so amazing. Actually, the way you worded that makes me want to cry. It was just profound and so perfectly said. I also love like a lot of people are really off put with our laughing and <laughs> here I am laughing. And we've tried to like we've it's been like a learning process of what can stay in these episodes or not. But for the greater audience, like there is so much joy that happens on these calls. And it's like, we're talking about horrific stuff. And I've said it in the past, that quote, that laughter is the language of survivors. Like we will sit there and we will just laugh together. And I don't know how there isn't, there's probably some cool psychological way to explain whatever's happening in that moment, but to just be able to sit with these storytellers and to just like, enjoy our time together even though we're talking about hard stuff to like have them like cracking jokes and like getting their stride like Jay's saying where we're able to just be like honest but also reflective and feel safe enough to giggle together like I can't I don't know do you do you relate to that yeah. at all, Jay? It's like, it's so wild because we'll be like that. What you just said is so yeah. wild, but you know, I think back to like Lindsay's episode, we were like crying laughing at Lindsay. <laughs> she was so funny. I think that we try to understand and respect the storyteller. And, and a lot of times, some, sometimes when they're telling their story, they just need to laugh because they're, they're realizing some of these things for the first time. And they're like, this is freaking ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous that this happened. I, I think it's super healing, honestly, um, because it, it does, it really it builds a sense of community between us and them and a sense of trust. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I, I think you touched base on that on the recent episode, Sarah's, that came out. And I think that 
we will, you talk about, because I'm the one that gets those emails that people <laughs> might email in and say like, this is no laughing matter. Like, this is serious. Why are you laughing? Why are you touching someone's delicate story with laughter? But I think what you said, I believe in Sarah's episode was something about like, things are so absurd that happen. And when you've been there and you felt that, all you can do is laugh about it. You're like, that actually happened. And like you said, it just sounds so wild that it's the yeah. only emotion you have is to just laugh at it. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I even think back, Jay, it's kind of fun to do this episode because we can like reflect back on the stories that we've had up until now. Like I can remember a specific point of Caitlin's episode, which is actually one of the heaviest um, like content wise stories that we've had on the podcast if you can even say that, it's all so heavy. But I remember you and Caitlin cracking up the about the rapture. Yes. And like it, oh, so much of that got cut out <laughs> because it yes. was like, this is not helpful. <laughs> but you guys were laughing so hard. And it's just those little parts of this process are like little nuggets of joy that even the listeners don't even get like the fullness of yeah. how... how how cool that is to just be able to like meet people and have these moments that are so special and so unique to, to the, the process that really, it just can't be replicated anywhere. Like who, (laughs) there's like no way to say that's something also that's interesting is like when you come on and share your story, the only people that understand what you went through in your process of sharing your story and this like wild journey of what it is to bring your story into this medium and then just blast it out into the world are the people who have done it. So there's like this little unique experience that all our storytellers share now too, where it's like they just put it all out there. They just threw it out there. It's incomparable well and we had this recently and and i don't know if this happened before but we had because we have these headsets and we had a storyteller slide a note in to the headset um to the next storyteller and uh, i don't want to give too much away on that um but the note the storyteller who received that note read it to us and it was it was an amazing note of encouragement and empowerment saying, I shared my story. You're about to share yours. I want to encourage you. I want to empower you. You're going to do great. And like, I think you can't sell short. I think, think what the biggest thing that I've saw, seen from our storytellers is this community that is growing. And, and these voices, these, and all these voices that we've shared are just unique, brave, bold voices. Like they're, they're hitting their stride and they're going back into their communities more, more confident and sure of themselves. And I just think and get excited about what does that mean for those communities they go into? Imagine the fruit, the good fruit, and that's going to come from that. And that's what excites me too, is I mean, imagine just all the good fruit and, and, the, and, and the community growth that could happen from these brave, bold storytellers going back into their, to their neighborhoods, to their, to if they're in churches, local churches, and just being being themselves and being free of all this garbage that's been piled on them and lies for some of them years and it's just a it's a beautiful thing i will say and we'll move on about the laughter part too and i think we mentioned this a lot of times we do three plus hour recordings and you know our episodes tend to be a little bit longer and the reason why is because we we try to we try to make sure that we honor the story as best we can. And sometimes that means an episode's an hour and a half. Sometimes it means it's two hours. But John and I may talk with them on just the recording alone for three plus hours. On top of that, we've probably talked to them for countless hours prior to that recording. So there's a, there is some history there where we, we have, we've, we've created a, a rhythm and um, a dialogue with one another and sometimes, you know, we just get off on rabbit holes like when I was talking about the rapture. By the way, I, I used to be scared to death of the rapture, and I, that carried into my marriage when I was young and married. I would, I would hear weird sounds and, and pop up and think the rapture was coming. So the rapture, the rapture, um, Becca, did rapture you know drama that? is real in my heart. So, Will, will Jay let me tell a funny story even if it gets yeah, edited out? Yeah. Am I allowed to say something personal and funny? 
So I used to be an event planner for many years, primarily weddings. So I would get home really late at night every Saturday, like one, two in the morning. The amount of times that Jay would pop out of bed when I came into the bedroom, and I'm sorry, Jay, but you would scream like a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be like, it's just me. It's just me. I'm home. I'm home. So yeah, if you can edit that out, I understand. Sorry, Jay, but... It doesn't it happen, happen near as much any. It doesn't happen yeah. at all anymore. But there was a period of time where <laughs> did it scare the you? The rapture Beto? was wi- was alive and living in our home. <laughs> no, because she knew I was scared of the rapture. Like literally, I like I'm not kidding you. Like I grew up with so much shame. I know, it's sad. And like I would into my twenties, I'd oh be my like, "Gosh, it's so." I missed the Jay. rapture. So I don't believe there. Yeah, I don't believe in the rapture me. anymore. <laughs> so I don't know if that'll get me in trouble, but I don't at all. I was I was terrified of the rapture. Now that we've shared a little bit about history of the podcast, we've met some um, team members that work with us. We want to talk a little bit about our hopes for 2023 and how others can support the podcast. So listeners and uh, share a little bit about what we're trying to do that may be different in 2023 with Bodies Behind the Bus. If you haven't uh, caught on by this point, This podcast is a lot of hours of work a week, like many, many hours. And it is literally just our two families. We both have young children. With that, like we're trying to parent. We have full-time jobs. We have part-time jobs. I am working nights right now to try to make ends meet. I know Jay and Becca are really burning too. And we really believe in this work and we see the fruit of it and we know the time that it deserves. But our families are running up with like real like tangible issues with being able to give it the time that it needs while also being able to quite literally feed our families. So that's where this comes in. We have been very passionately against putting ads on the podcast in particular, putting ads on stories. We just don't want to monetize them. We feel strongly about that. With that, we are missing out on financial support that that we could be bringing in for the podcast. What we really would love to see is you guys care as much as our families do about not monetizing these stories. And that would look like you guys supporting us. And I know I, I hate the idea of having to be like, Put your money where your ears are, but like we actually are at that point where we need it. So we have opened up a $2 Patreon level. And if our subscribers, if everyone that subscribes to our podcast would just become a patron for $2, it would make it so that we have the ability to actually work on this podcast without having to work all of our nights, without having to have Aaron picking up freelance gigs without Jay and Becca having to squeeze in times throughout their evenings. You know, it's like right now, the way that this podcast is working is there is work happening for nine to five jobs all day long, dinner. And then like, I'll give an example in the Harris household. It's Aaron works all day, has dinner. Aaron starts editing at night. I go to the office at night and work and clean and file and I take calls while I'm doing that or I'm taking calls while I'm picking up my kids from school and driving our toddlers around. Jay and Becca is very similar to that. So I'm telling you guys this not to be like, please pity us, but to say we need help. And this is so vast and we're not even scratching the surface of the amount of work that this takes to get these stories out there and the amount of stories that are coming in that still need to be told. So if you're hearing this right now and you're saying, I believe in the work you're doing, I I, I believe these stories deserve to be shared and be, deserve to be stewarded well, then we need you to help us and that can be as easy as literally just giving $2 a month to our Patreon, $2. And if you're able to give more, there's $5, there's all different levels. And you're just simply saying, I believe in the work you're doing and I want to support you guys and come alongside you. We're, we're really also passionate about keeping education, any resources free to the community 
So we are not going to put that behind a paywall, but this is another way for you to support us in keeping those resources free. But we have talked about doing something like having a monthly Zoom where Jay and I will put out hours and any of you in the Patreon community can hop on and we'll just like have conversation and cultivate a little bit more of a community over in that space. So if that's something you want to do, again, as little as $2 a month, you can be a part of that. First off, we do have people that give to us now. And I want to say Thank you so much because that, believe it or I mean, that giving has helped us tremendously with just some admin costs from hosting the app we're on right now um, to helping us buy headsets at, at times to helping pay for some of the editing software to improve how we edit these stories. So it has helped tremendously get us to where we are today. The thing I would add is that we do see two things. We see a desire for more education and more resources, our subject matter experts, and and we see a desire for that. We also see a need for it. So we did launch at the bus stop, and the, the hope with at the bus stop is to be able to bring more individuals on that can help not only explain what we've been through and put words to it, but help us see clearly and see clearly about the events we went through, but help us also dream about tomorrow and what that looks like. And, you know, that takes time, research, commitment on my time and John's time to, to build those relationships. And we want to, uh, so that's where, uh, you know, we'll, tremendously will help us there Two, We are getting more and more stories that are outside of what I would say, traditional, Acts 29 spaces. And as we go into other communities or denominations, we want to be able to give those the adequate time and space that they need. And part of that is just us having conversations behind the scenes and learn more about those specific spaces, but also building our own networks in those spaces. And I'm not talking about with the churches, but just in those communities of survivors. And that takes time as well. So, you know, what I foresee is that we actually need to put more time into the podcast. And I think my desire is I would love to do that. The giving will substantially help that. Because as John has said, I have a full-time job. We have three kids. I do want to say, like, I'm so appreciative of everyone who has given and continues to give to us. It's just a, it's just amazing. And for, for the, I guess the patron patrons or what, what, how do you call a Patreon giver? What are they called? Pat patron? Patrons? Patron. Right. Your patron. Right. Patron. For yeah. the patrons, I do want to launch, um, like John mentioned, the office hours or monthly events that we have just for that group, because uh, I, I want to continue to build that community and for John and I to be more interactive with that community, because we are very thankful for the support. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just immense. It means, it means so much to us. Um, for going forward, um, I would say, too, for 2023, my focus personally is to grow our At The Bus Stop network so that we're bringing on more subject matter experts and we're diving into different topics and to really grow that part of Bodies Behind the Bus. And then for the storytellers, I will say that I do think we're going to start diving into other spaces other than just your traditional SPC and Acts 29 space. We do have some stories coming up that are outside of that. And we know as we do that, we're going to have to spend more. We're going to get, typically when we dive into a new space, we start getting more stories as well. So just making sure we spend time in each of those communities, understanding the rhythms and having more connectivity with those groups and those survivors in those communities um, will be very important for me in 2023. I think for 2023, for me personally doing the admin work, I think that we are wanting to put even stronger processes in to help smooth out the the getting from the storytelling, the, the initial email all the way to the recording process. And um, that's kind of, I, I think that that's a lot. I want to put a lot of work into that. I want to streamline processes now that we've been doing it for a year and um, focus on uh, what we've built, but now make it stronger so that we can, we can bring on more and do more. So I think that's a goal from the admin side of it is that we can continue to streamline and put more work into making our processes stronger and better so that we can take on more. 
I feel like we're all like jamming 10 pounds of something in a five pound bag right now with our lives. And we knew, I think it was something that we accepted in the beginning and we knew we'd be losing money and kind of paying out of pocket and all that. Um, but I think, I think being able to, you know, instead of me doing other podcasts, focus on this one and be able to put more time into, you know, into not panicking, editing the night of release or whatever, and to have a little more stretch time and, and just like everybody else and doing things well, maintaining our level of care for these people and intentionality while we grow and not sacrificing that at all. And lastly, what I want to say is we love you all so dearly. Thank you all so much for for listening and taking time out of your day to listen to these stories and to and to share it with friends. And it's we have done no marketing. We've done nothing other than people saying, hey, I love this. Listen to it. And it's insane. I'm just glad I have a, a good friendship with Johnny. So... <laughs> 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 me and Johnny talk a lot no. 